Good morning, everyone. Welcome to the Friday, June 26th edition of the MMA OB Daily Podcast. I'm your host, as always, Adam Martin, and I'll be taking you guys through the latest in the world of mixed martial arts. Uh, obviously, this is the last show Tuesday, so quite a bit's happened since then. Myself and Cole Shelton broke down UFC on Vegas uh, 4, so go back and check it out. UFC on ESPN 12, I should say. they call, also calling it UFC Vegas 4. But anyways, go back and check it out. Uh, but a few of the fights did change, so I'll, I'll talk about those today, as well as some other news and notes from the world of MMA. But definitely go back and watch Tuesday's podcast if you want to hear the breakdown for tomorrow's car, which should be awesome, by the way. I'm looking forward to that. And I should plug my uh, full fight breakdown over at MMAoddsbreaker.com. Dan Hooker versus Dustin Poirier. got my full breakdown there, so definitely check it out as well. All right, let's get into today's news. So I'm going to start with John Jones. John Jones did an interview with Steve-O from Jackass, and it's funny that uh, he actually did this interview. So Steve-O's like basically gotten in the MMA space, which is pretty cool. I'm a Jackass fan. I really like Jackass. I actually just watched it the other night, which is hilarious, the first one. So funny. I love I love those movies. That, the Hardware Store gag, oh, my God. That was seriously one of the best ever. But John Jones did an interview with uh, Steve-O, and uh, – John Jones talked about a few different things, including uh, basically why the reasons why he's holding out. And from what John Jones said, he's planning to hold out for a couple of years. Like he said, he didn't see anything change anytime soon. He said he has no interest in fighting right now until he gets paid what he's worth. And according to John Jones, he's trying to make a positive change for younger fighters. Uh, reading his comments from the interview, it's depressing. Some of the stuff he said is, is bothersome for sure. Um, one thing he mentioned that stood out to me was there, according to John Jones, are several fighters that live at Jackson Wink that are in the UFC that can't afford apartments. So they live at the gym. That's pretty depressing. Like if you're a professional athlete, you, and especially in the biggest stage in the world, you think you should be able to at least have an apartment. So John Jones saying that, I mean, you can see the reasons why he's trying to make this change. Uh, John Jones is, in my opinion, the greatest fighter of all time. He's a guy that's had a lot of demon throughout his career. So it's pretty crazy. He's kind of become like the martyr for fighter pay and stuff, especially considering all the stuff he's gone through in his personal life. But you know what? This is what the sport needs. It needs someone like John Jones to step up and say, you know what? The fighter pay in the sport is is messed up and we need change. Do I think anything's going to happen? Not anytime soon. I feel like the government's going to have to step in at some point, but I just don't see that happening, especially with Donald Trump being Daniel White's friend. I can't see them changing the structure of fighter pay anytime soon. Now, having said that, you know, there does seem to be at least a, a sea of change emerging with uh, in regards to a union potentially with the fighters. But again, you know, this is something we've talked about for years and years now, like going back to the Randy Couture days in like the t- 2000s, like I think that was like what, 2006 or something like that. So there's been talk about union and holding out and all this stuff for a lot longer than John Jones has been talking about for. I'd like to see the fighters have a union. I'd like to see them get more money. You know, it, it's crazy. Right? Like, look at baseball right now. Like, these guys, they finally, they didn't really even agree on a deal. The commissioner just kind of, like, implemented uh, the the prior deal they had. But basically, like, you know, they're still getting their, their split of revenue. It's not going to be as much money as they were making with fans in attendance. But they have a CBA that they agreed to. Same with the NBA and the NHL. These guys are all agreed to a deal with the league that they're going to get basically a 50-50 split. That doesn't work in the UFC. It's essentially 80-20, and that's why these guys are holding out. So John Jones, he says he's going to hold it for a while, which sucks. Um, if it's true, and, you know, he said already on Twitter like a month ago, he said, I'm retiring, vacating the belt. Let's have Yan, Blahowicz, and Dominic Reyes fight for the belt. If this is true, I mean, at this point, like, they might as well take the belt from him. You know, and I love John Jones, like, as a fighter. You know, I think he should be the champ. 
I'd like to see him fight again. But if he doesn't plan on fighting, then it's maybe time to take the belt away from him for now. And when he ever does come back, he can fight for the belt or move up to heavyweight and fight for that belt, quite frankly. Um, but the rest of the guys in this division, like Reyes and Yan, I think even John would admit right now, you know, these guys are just kind of holding out for hope that John's going to return. And it probably won't be happening anytime soon. So maybe it's time to take the belt from him or he can vacate it himself, I guess. I thought he already did. I mean, basically said that. It's funny, right? Like, when uh, John Jones says he's vacating the belt, Dana White basically said, you know, I'm going to talk to him about this. When Conor McGregor says he's retiring, uh, you know, Dana White said, yeah, okay, he's retired, but they didn't take him out of the rankings. But when a guy like Henry Cejudo retired, they took him out immediately. So it's like the UFC definitely plays favorites. They definitely – we already knew that, though. So, you know, John Jones, hopefully he comes back. I want to see him fight again. But uh, based on his comments to Steve-O, doesn't seem like it's going to happen anytime soon. On the flip side, Corey Mazadol, another guy first-round management, he says he will return in 2020. He did an interview or like a Q&A on his YouTube channel. And Jorge Masvidal says he's going to return the October in 2020. So, you know, at this point, Masvidal uh, basically had a title shot in his hands. He could have fought Kamar Usman for whatever the contract was the UFC offered him. We've heard different reports. But from the last report we heard from Ariel, basically the UFC gave him the same amount of money or offered him the same amount of money that he fought Nate Diaz for. And Masvidal wanted to raise on that. Uh, Dana White obviously said, you know what, we already had a contract with this guy. He's not getting a raise, especially now with no fans in attendance. That's the problem right now. You know, um, there's no fans right now. So it's very hard to kind of argue the fighter pay thing at this moment. Um, I don't blame these guys for doing it. I respect the hell of them for sticking to their guns and, and holding out. But at the same time, you know, from the UFC's point of view, this is kind of the wrong time to do this, I think. So I, I can't see the UFC giving these guys more money anytime soon. So you will see more guys being called out. Uh, like Jones, like Masvidal, but the majority of fighters in the roster will take what the UFC gives them. Like Gilbert Burns, Masvidal's out there saying now that Burns uh, took a lesser deal to fight uh, Usman, and Burns is saying that's not true. Who knows what the truth is there? We don't even really know the numbers. That's another thing I think that really should change with the sport. I'd like to see all the numbers get out there. Like you look at baseball, you get to see the guy's contract. You get to see every uh, bonus he makes in his deal. You know, we don't get that at the UFC. They say this is the disclosed pay, and you know we hear stories about the UFC slipping them extra money or not slipping them extra money. So I'd like to see just something more uh, centralized and standardized about that with the fighter pay thing. But at the end of the day, you know I, I could sit here and talk about fighter pay the whole uh, podcast, but I won't because there's so much other stuff to get to. But it is a problem in the sport, and that's why you're seeing guys like John Jones and Maslow holding out. But according uh, to Maslow, he'll be back soon. I got a couple of comments here from Kevin Scott. Good morning, Kevin. If Jones has an issue with his contract, that should be ironed out prior to sign out after he's, he's wrong here. It's a tough it's a tough call, man, because uh, I feel like – I don't really know when he signed his deal. I don't know if he said that. But, uh, yeah, I know what you're saying. I, I just think with Jones right now, with the contract thing, I think he wanted more to move up to heavyweight. I'm not, I think he was okay with taking the same amount of money at light heavyweight. So I agree with what you're saying there. But at the same time, if he was moving to heavyweight, he should get a new contract for that, I think. Kevin Scott, with Jones and Maswell complaining so much about the contract they just signed, just seems like Kawa is a terrible manager, doesn't know how to properly negotiate. I think it is reflecting a little bit poorly on, on uh, Abe and uh, Malky as well, but uh, at the end of the day, you know, this is their choice. This is the fighter's choice. They can tell their manager they want to fight, or they can tell them they want to hold out, but I agree, it does kind of look bad on them right now. Um, you know, the Kawas are guys that are top managers in the sport. They've been for many years, but at this point, you know, these guys got to fight. That's the problem with the sport, man. You know, you, 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 you don't compete, you don't get paid. If you're a baseball player, you can sit in the silence. Like, look at basketball. You know, all these guys are opting out because they're already millionaires. They don't really need the extra money. Like, there's guys that are 
you know, they make a, you know, $10 million a year. And now they're going to forfeit like a million. They're like, they're cool with it because they know they're going to make more money in free agency anyways. So you will never see that in the UFC. Um, you are seeing a couple guys hold out now in Jones and Masvidal, but you know, these guys aren't broke by any means. Jones and Masvidal have made money in their career, especially Jones. He's made a lot of money, but he deserves to make more. He's probably the best fighter of all time. He deserves to make a lot more money than he is. All right. Anyone else has any comments about the fighter pay throw them in there? I'm going to get to uh, UFC on ESPN 12 because there have been some changes to the card. So um, two changes to the card since I talked about it on Tuesday. First one here is a new matchup because uh, the cornerman for Ramiz Brahamaj, who was supposed to fight Takashi Sato in the prelims, has tested positive. So Brahamaj has been pulled from the card after his cornerman tested positive. He is a force MMA guy. I don't know who it was that tested positive. Which, it's a very unfortunate thing, though, for sure. That's a, First off, that's a great gym. Uh, Saif is a great coach. And obviously, look at some of the fighters from that gym, like Jeff Neal and all these guys. Like It's a really good gym. So to me, you know, it's definitely disappointing news. And I was looking forward to seeing Brahamaj fight. I picked him as an underdog. I thought he was going to win the fight. But he's been pulled from the cart. Thankfully, the UFC has been able to step up, uh, get a fighter to step up on really short notice, and Jason Witt. And according to Nolan King, I saw his tweet this morning, Jason Wick got the call yesterday at like 12.30 in the afternoon to take this fight on like basically uh, two days notice. or It's actually a 24 hours notice to the win. So you got to, uh, you definitely got to respect Jason Witt stepping up on short notice here. This is a guy that I've known about for a long time. He's, by the way, his nickname is Vanilla Gorilla. So him and Chase Sherman both have the same nickname. These guys are going to have to fight at some point to decide who the real Vanilla Gorilla is. But uh, yeah, Jason Witt, so he's 17 and 5. Great night is currently running a four fight win streak. He's actually won nine of his last 10 fights. I remember this guy from fighting in Titan FC back in 2015. He fought Isaac Valley Flag back then. Uh, he has fought in uh, Ontario. He beat Ryan Dixon, who's an Ontario guy here, so a local guy. He's also fought Chance for Encounter, lost to him, uh, lost to Dakota Cochrane. Really, if you look at his resume, he doesn't really have any notable wins. His best win, I guess, is either Jake Lindsay, who was in the UFC a little while ago, and he's really not that great a fighter, or uh, Zach Bucha, who is uh, you know, kind of a veteran now. So those are probably his best wins. Uh, his last three wins have come by decision, which definitely is not the kind of thing you want to see for a guy coming to the UFC. You want to see this guy wipe people out in the regional scene. Um, he has been fighting for a couple uh, local shows in Kansas City. Also fought for LFA a few times. So it's a guy who has a lot of experience for sure. But, um, you know, we'll see how he does in this fight. It, it's tough because uh, we saw what happened last week with the Justin James fight, right? Like you, he came out on short notice and had a great game plan. Just went for broke and knocked Camacho out. But we also saw um, Max Roscoff, you know, quit on the stool on short notice too. So, at this point, this fight between Witt and Sato is it's kind of an unbettable fight, in my opinion. I don't think you could be too confident here just considering the 24 hours notice. So I'm going to pick Sato, though. He does have UFC experience. I think he could probably get the knockout here. He does have a lot of knockout power, and Witt has been uh, finished before by strikes a couple times, actually. So that'd be my pick here. But for sure, you know, you never know with the short notice. It makes a lot of these fights really uh, difficult to handicap. Kevin Scott, any idea what Maverick's injury is? I should mention that Miranda Maverick has is out of this card. Um, she was supposed to fight Mara Romero Barella, but she's been pulled from the card. Barella was supposed to get an opponent, but I don't think they found anyone for her, so she's been pulled too. I'm sure she'll fight again soon. Kevin's asking what the injury is. Um, so there was no official word, but okay. So basically this girl, she's 22 years old, by the way. She came out with a statement on Instagram saying like, I don't give a fuck if you don't want to watch my fight. Like, you know, I don't, you know, if you have the privilege to watch my fight, if you read her comment, she just looks like a, like a little girl, really. It was so immature. Um, 
I was looking forward to a debut because she's a good prospect. But if you read that comment she made, it's just so dumb. It really is. Uh, that's the that's the one problem with the UFC signing these really young fighters, man. Like they're just the immaturity levels there. You can see it with some of them. Like, anyways, we'll see what happens with her in the future because she is a good prospect. I just the comment bothered me. Go and read it yourself. It's it's a really dumb thing to say. But from what I heard, I saw Sean Bitter, who's the MMA wizard on Twitter, and he's pretty good at uh, this regional scene stuff uh, and the Invicta stuff as well. He said that she had a detached retina, and they found they found that out during, a, I guess, a physical or something. So that sucks for her. Um, hopefully, you get that taken care of. But you know, if she's really upset at the fans, it's not the fans that you know got you out of the fight. It's because you had an injury. So you know, there's some people saying that she knew about the injury and that she didn't tell the commission. Some people are saying she just found it, but it really don't know. But the fight with Barella, Mero Romero Barella is off. So that sucks because I think a lot of people are going to like parlay Maverick because she should have won that fight, but she's under the card. Uh, the other fight that changed is Sean Woodson is now going to fight Julian Arosa instead of Kyle Nelson. Kyle Nelson, Canadian guy, he was pulled from the card due to visa issues. And, it, you know, I understand it's coronavirus pandemic. Why was this not, you know, figured out a few weeks ago? Why was this visa issue waiting until the last second for this? It's, it's very strange. I, I don't get it personally. So, don't know what's going on there, but yes, it's going to be a Rosa against Sean Woodson now. So let's pull these guys out. Sean Woodson, he uh, actually, I think the odds are, yeah, we got odds right now. Sean Woodson minus 450, a Rosa plus 360. We don't have odds for the uh, Jason Witt fight yet, but yeah, Woodson's a big favorite here. 7 and 0. Remember him from Contender Series uh, last year? Got that win with the flying knee, and then he beat Kyle Bokniak in his debut last October. Overall, I mean, a pretty solid prospect with 7 and 0, but. Uh, Arosa, you know, he does have experience, 23 and 8 record. He's a guy that's fought in the UFC a few times now. He went 0 and 3 in the UFC. Uh, from all, actually, he went 0 and 3 the second time. The first time he was in the UFC, he went 1 and 1. So overall, 1 and 4 in the UFC. Not too great. His only win over Mar Marcin Wieserich, who's not that great of a fighter. Obviously, this guy was on the Ultimate Fighter. He does, does have experience there. He's fought a lot of good guys, but you know, you look at his <laughs> the last few fights in the UFC. Lost to Julio Arce by head kick. Lost to Grant Dawson by decision. Lost to Devontae Smith by first round knockout. He did pick up a win over this guy, AJ Bryant, who's a regional scene guy, in his last fight via submission. But I think it's going to be a little bit too much that uh, more than he can chew here against Sean Woodson. So, again, you know the odds favor Woodson quite heavily. He actually opened at minus 510. So he's still a big favorite, obviously. But, uh, yeah, I expect him to close as a massive favorite here. He should win the fight. It's either going to be Woodson by knockout or maybe by decision, but yeah, he should win the fight. Let me get to some uh, comments here. Massio, Massio, not easy to make bets before the scale. No, I, I agree with that completely. You know, I, I think the smart betters do wait to see the weigh-ins and see what happens there. So Kevin Scott agrees with that. Betting before the scale is always dangerous, especially with betting parlays always put you in danger. One leg dropping out, being stuck, stuck with a dumb ticket. Dude, so, so true. I remember the guy last week was talking about uh, the Jordan Griffin fight or whatever, and that wasn't his fault. I think it was Massio. I'm not sure. Um, and uh, the fight with Morab as well. So he, I don't know what happened. I'm, I'm assuming he got his money back, but... You know, that's the kind of thing you don't want your money tied up with something that's dead. Uh, let's see here. David's talking about the contract thing. You, UFC usually will say, we can renegotiate after a fight of you. Well, they do say that, they, and they will renegotiate. But right now, I don't think they are just because, uh, you know, revenues are down. Pavlo says, so only 10 fights on this card. I believe that's correct. Let me just double check. But I think it is. I think you're right on that one. Again, the Maverick fight dropped off right now. According to Topology, 10 fights. And that, yeah, that's 10 fights. So, yes. At the moment, 10 fights, but 
you know, prelims or um, sorry, the weigh-ins starting soon. You know, you never know what's going to happen. Someone might fall off. A lot of these fights, again, really short notice, guys. You know, a lot of these fighters didn't get that much time to train and to cut the weight. So, you know, I hate to say it, but we've seen the last few cards. At least like one fighter's missed weight for most of these cards since the pandemic started. So, I would assume at least one fighter misses weight in this card, but hopefully the fights all stay together. Um, but yeah, I think the one fight that I'm worried about a little bit is the Frey and Hanson fight because it was a really short notice fight. And also Jason Wade, I think. I mean, I'm surprised that fight's actually 170. I'm surprised they didn't give him like a five pound catch weight allowance considering he took it on like one day notice, right? It's pretty nuts. Anyways, throwing more comments in there, guys, about anything you want to talk about. Uh, you know, speaking about COVID-19, again, uh, Ramiz Brown-Majic's corner has been pulled. Fight Island, okay, so uh, actually, uh, we have the article over at BJ Penn. There's a really good graphic the ESPN released um, explaining the coronavirus testing protocol for Fight Island. It's it's very good. Um, I think UFC's doing a good job with this, honestly. You know, I've seen some people saying they're not doing enough tests. If you, if you look at the graphic, any fighter, cornerman, uh, UFC staff member, including Dana White, anyone involved with Fight Island will take five tests between uh, flying to Fight Island and going back home. Five tests. That's a lot of tests. You know, and some people are saying that's not enough tests. I think I think that's pretty fair. Five tests. So that's a lot. First of all, that costs a lot of money. But UFC, you know, that this is what they, they make a lot of money for. They can do this kind of thing. So thankfully, they're allowed to do these tests for these guys. And these guys are going to take their tests. So... If you look at the uh, the graphic, it's basically like uh, they take a test. Let me just pull the graphic out here. Uh, maybe Mark Mark Raymond and ESPN had the graphic. Let me pull it out here. It's pretty interesting. Like I think the UFC is doing a good job personally. You know, I, I, most of the people are critical are critical of them right now, and fair enough. You know, they are operating at a time where some of the other sports leagues are not. But I think that uh, they are doing a pretty solid job as far as the coronavirus testing protocol goes. Thing is just really slow to load here, guys. What's going on here? All right. Well, anyways, like I said, five tests. Can't get it to load. Twitter's not loading for me. Basically, five tests. So they're going to take a test when they get to the airport, first off. That's the first test. I don't know why it's not loading. First test is at the airport. Second test, they're, they're going to they're gonna have to wait. And then there's another test when they get there. Um, they wait 24 hours or whatever, 48 hours, take another test. Uh, before the fight, there's another test. And then after the fight, there's another test with so five tests. It's pretty nuts, but I think that it's fair. You know, I think that it, they want to be as safe as they can. And you are seeing guys, some guys test positive, obviously. A couple of corner, I mean, Billy Cornetello. I don't know who the corner was for Ramiz Brahmash. And then, of course, you had uh, uh, Jacques Ray back in uh, April or May, I should say, test positive. So there's been a few positive tests, but that's a good thing in some ways. Now, you know what? If you compare it to other sports, look at the NFL right now. Look at NBA. Look at NHL. There's a ton of guys. MLB. There's a lot of guys testing positive right now. So it's not a UFC thing. A lot of guys are testing positive. They're not even playing. So, you know, the UFC actually, I think overall, has did pretty good when it comes to the testing because they've only had a few positive tests out of all the people that have tested positive or they've had test, tests in general. So I think they did really well there. I don't know why my Twitter's not loading. That's weird. All right. Well, anyways, uh, I'll get to the next point here. Anthony Smith, he's come out. He's talked about Sean, uh, Max Roscoff, and Anthony Smith said he's not a quitter. And it's funny. Anthony Smith's talking a lot right now, isn't he, guys? Like, I don't know what's going on with Anthony Smith. I feel like he's become really unlikable. So as far as this goes, I mean, fair enough. He wants to protect the young fighter. That's fine. But a lot of the stuff he's been saying lately is just stuff I, I personally don't agree with. You know, as far as uh, this guy Max Roscoff goes, 
there's been a lot of talk about him all week. I've heard a lot of different opinions. You guys know how I feel about it. I do think he quit in the stool. Um, I think it was pretty evident. I don't think Robert Drysdale did anything wrong. I think he did a good job as the cornerman. I was just watching the Weighing In podcast with uh, Josh Thompson and Big John, and they actually agreed with what I was saying. Big John basically said, you know, that 60 seconds between uh, rounds, that's the corner's time to kind of get their fighter back in, get their head back in space. So he thinks they did nothing wrong. Josh Thompson said, you know, if I'm a fighter, I want my coach to do that. And he was talking about a few different stories from the past, including uh, Mike Van Arsdale used to fight in the UFC. He said there was a fight back in the WFA where Van Arsdale said between the second and third round to uh, Bob Cook, at AKA he said, I don't want to fight. I don't want to fight. And they said, you know what? You're going to get back in there. You're going to fight. And he said, Mike Van Arsdale went that went in there in the third round and knocked the guy out. So that's that's the risk you take. In MMA, you can win at any time because there's so many different ways to win. Um, anyways, we talked about this fight enough. I don't want to talk about Mass Rockoff. But as far as Anthony Smith goes, it's just, you know, I feel like he's talking a lot right now. Like, And the one thing he's never said was, my corner should have stopped the fight. That's the one guy he's never talked about, uh, Mark Montoya, even though I think all of us agree that fight with Glover should have been stopped way sooner than it wasn't. What are some comments here? Masio Masio, can Frey KO just with techniques? I, I think I picked her to win. I picked Frey to win just because of the experience. Hanson's so young, too, 20 years old. I don't know. I feel like, you know, maybe she's going to be good. You know, she looks like a good prospect, but first off, six and three record. That's not a great record. So, you know, I know you can't just look by records in MMA, but to me, six and three is a 20 year old fighter. That looks like to me a fighter that should be probably using a little bit more seasoning. I'm just not a fan of 20-year-olds fighting in the UFC. I just don't think it's a good idea. Usually it doesn't end too well. You know, again, Sage Northcutt, Paige Van Zandt. Like, these fighters never lived up to their, their potential. Again, occasionally you will see a guy like Max Holloway come in. He lost his first fight to Dustin Poirier, and he did really well after that, obviously, becoming a champ. That's kind of a rarity. Now, I think generally, you know, a guy like Dan Lozon, Joe Lozon's brother, he didn't do very well. Um, a guy like Jake Matthews did okay, but I don't think ever, like, made – all the potential they had in the octagon. So it's kind of a tough call, but personally, I don't like 20 year olds in the octagon. I'm going to take Frey in this fight, but you know, it's not a confident pick by any means. I just don't, I just don't like uh, betting on 20 year old fighters. Kevin Scott, Frey's tiny. Curious to see how she looks against uh, competition at 115. She is five, three. Again, I think that, you know, if you look at the, uh, the actual stats, like height and reach, Frey matches up well, but again, Kevin Scott makes a good point. Very thin frame. She is smaller than Hanson, uh, you know, as far as that size goes. So interesting fight. You know, most people are picking Hanson. We'll look at the odds right now. It's minus 165, but again, I, I think it's a, a pretty competitive fight. While these fights are pretty close in the prelims here. All right. A um, couple other things I want to talk about here. Sean O'Malley and Marlon Vera, they've basically verbally agreed to fight. So I think it's a fight. I actually mentioned this fight, I believe. As soon as Sean O'Malley beat Eddie Wilder, it was a fight I mentioned, but also John Dodson. And then we recently saw John Dodson say he's signed a five-fight deal. He hasn't announced his next fight. I thought that could have been the fight, but it looks like Marlon Vera and Malley won each other, and I think that's a great fight. You know, O'Malley actually took Vera's spot in the rankings, so it'd be basically the guy at 15 and O'Malley taking him the 16th rank on Vera. Uh, you know, Song Dong is a guy they probably should be calling out because he's a step above right now, even though he probably doesn't deserve to be. I thought he lost his last fight against Vera, uh, and also I thought he lost his statement fight too. But, yeah, I think this it'd be a good fight. You know, Sean O'Malley, he's still pretty young, and – I think they should keep him busy. So, you know, a guy like Marlon Vera is a sensible step up, I think, from Eddie Wyland in his last fight. So I'd like to see this matchup. Pavlo says this. The Scrolls and Carroll fighting, they're just there to make normal and make money outside of the UFC. I don't know. I mean, I'm not sure what to say, but I think you're talking about Hanson. I don't know. I mean, we'll see what happens. We'll see if she's UFC caliber, you know. 
I understand the UFC matchmakers are under kind of like stress right now because they have to find fighters on short notice. But I feel like there's a, and I'm not saying Hanson is one of them, but I feel like there's a lot of fighters now on the roster. They're not really UFC caliber, including Max Roscoff. That guy's not a UFC caliber fighter. The, this is the UFC, man. And I was thinking about this all week. Like, this is the big leagues. There's been way too many excuses made lately about these fighters coming in and they're not ready. And like, oh, well, you know, they'll, they'll, uh, they'll get better over time. Like, a guy like Matt Roscoff to show that quit in his first fight, like, will he really get better? I don't know. I mean, it's hard to say, right? I just feel like there's a lot of people right now making their debuts that are not ready for the octagon. This is the big leagues, man. This is the best MMA promotion in the world, you know? Go find the regional scene for a while. That's what it's there for. Again, I understand UFC, you know, right now they have to find people to fight. I get that. But at the same time, if you look at the roster, there's a lot of fighters that can be cut right now, and the UFC wouldn't miss a beat. So. In my opinion, they're going to have to go, especially after this coronavirus pandemic, hopefully ends in a few months. I mean, I don't even know what's going to end, but hopefully when things get back to normal, the UFC Mac fingers go through and, and start cutting guys. And they, I think they will because um, I should mention this contender series coming back in August. They're going to sign a bunch of fighters for contender series. So they're going to need to make more room in the roster. We saw last summer when they signed a bunch of guys off contender series, they cut a bunch of people too. So to me, there's just too many fighters in the roster right now. I'd like to see the UFC go to a smaller roster. I understand they have a lot of shows. I get it, but I don't know, man. Pavlo, why UFC is number two, uh, number two, number four at, at 135 rankings. I think there was a tie in the voting. The UFC rankings are garbage anyways. You guys saw me go on my rant on uh, Tuesday. So actually, that's a really good idea, um, thing to talk about. But I quickly want to get to Kevin's thing. Hanson only six and three at 20. Frey's 35 and nine and four. Experience period comparable to You're right. But again, Frey is a champ. She's fought better competition, in my opinion. You're right. As far as uh, the amount of fights go, it's pretty similar. But. I don't know. I, I just six and three record is not UFC caliber to me. Really? Like again, I know it's not just about wins and losses in the sport, but six and three at 20 years old, this girl could use some more experience in my opinion, but we'll see. Maybe she really is that good. Everyone's saying she's good. We'll see. Pavlo number two, number 14. Yeah. Burgos, Bur actually Burgos, man, he went off on the rankings the other day. He's not upset. He's not happy about them. Oh, I got, I'll get to Eduardo's question in a second. Thanks, Eduardo. Yeah, but I want to hold the rankings really quickly because, again, I went on my rant on, uh, I think it was Tuesday, right? So not happy about it. So basically, uh, we found a little bit more information. Eric Colwell, who uh, is the M my MMA news guy, he posted that uh, picture of the uh, the rankings brief basically saying, you know, suggesting uh, some notes like if Burgos loses, drop him out of the rankings. If Emmett loses, drop him out of the rankings. Put Bryce Mitchell. And you guys heard me. I freaked out about it because it was bullshit. I still think it's bullshit. But, you know, Eric said that the UFC said this to us. So a lot of us thought, based on this tweet, this was the UFC like matchmakers or someone executive there saying, you know, suggesting, hey, you know, this is what we should do. But he later clarified, and you should have said this from the beginning, honestly. You know, I no no disrespect to Eric. I, th I think it was good that he actually released this because no one else has talked about it. But to me, it was kind of mis misleading in a way because uh, it later came out that. This person was not from the UFC. It was actually a third party, um, basically a buffer between the rankings uh, voters and the UFC itself. And this person has been revealed to be Kirik Jenis from the underground. And Kirik's been around the game a long time. He's actually fought a few times back in the early days, in like the 2000s. It's a guy that I actually do respect because he's been around the game for so long. He's been around much longer than me. He's been around for 20 years. So it's a guy that definitely knows the sport. At the same time, though, I just, I didn't agree with this stuff he was saying about Bryce Mitchell jumping in the rankings and bumping Burgos out. So to me, if that's the kind of stuff that he's suggesting, and again, he said uh, he didn't interview with Bloody Elbow, and he basically said that, yes, I am the one sending this, but, you know, it's up to the voters to actually uh, use the information to their disposal or not. 
I still don't I don't like this. I don't like there's a adjustment at all. I don't like the UFC rankings. I think they're garbage. You look at who's on the rankings panel, it's not great. Um, you know, this is no disrespect, by the way, to Brian Heminger, who is my uh friend and colleague at MLSbreaker.com. Brian's been doing the rankings for like five years now. I respect Brian. I like Brian, he's my friend and a colleague of mine for many years. Having said that, I personally just don't agree with the rankings in general, you know, and it's no disrespect to Brian. I think he's doing the best he can. I don't always agree with his rankings. But, you know, at least Brian's someone that's somewhat noticeable in the MMA sphere. If you look at a lot of the people in the rankings panel, I haven't heard of them. I've been doing this for 10 years. I don't even know half the people. So there's a huge problem with the rankings. And Kevin says, can we all agree the rankings are meaningless and ignore them as a group? They are garbage. They are meaningless, but they aren't meaningless at the same time. You look at Shane Burgos, where he talked about with uh, Mike Heck. Go read what he said. Basically, like, and, and the same thing with Jeff Neal. Jeff Neal just did that interview with James the other day. I'll talk about James in a minute, too. But that interview that he did, you know, basically said that guys are using the ranks to justify taking matchups or not taking them. So as much as we hate the rankings and think they don't matter in our heads, they actually do matter when it comes to making fights and stuff like that. So I, I think there needs to be a change with the rankings. I personally would abolish them, and I would um, have the UFC uh, matchmakers come out with their own rankings. That's the rankings that matter. It's Sean Shelby and Mick Maynard's. It's not some guy that I've never heard of from some random radio station in Hawaii because someone is <laughs> doing that. So, yeah, um, let me get to Eduardo's comment here. Eduardo Flores, what do you think about Gone versus Pavlovich? I hate it because both are promising prospects and division needs them. I agree with that. I was surprised by they did this matchup. Gone was supposed to fight uh, Shamil Abirahima, which made a lot more sense in my opinion. But at the same time, you know, there's not too many guys that are ranked right now that are free to fight. So UFC just needed to fight, have someone to find fight. Gone and Pavlovich was the guy. With Pavlovich, obviously, he has some knockout power. We've seen that. But he also fought over in his debut and he lost. So he's already had the experience of having a loss. I don't think it's a big deal if he loses again here. I don't think the UFC is super high on him. I think they're high on Gone. I think Gone wins this fight. Eduardo Flores. With UFC getting back since May, getting Fire and fights booked till August, does this show the UFC is top dog in MA and other organizations are behind them? 100%. You know, I was thinking about this yesterday. Like, Bellator has almost become like an afterthought. Like, no one even talks about Bellator anymore, right? PFL is another thing. They've already announced that they're coming back next year. But, like, Bellator, guys, what happened to Bellator? Like, all the momentum they had has gone away. And it's unfortunate. I mean, here's the thing UFC is the best uh, promotion in the world, no doubt about it. They have the best fighters for the most part, they put on the best show. Having said that, it's always good to have other options for the fighters. A promotion like Bellator is great because it gives options to the other fighters. So I'd like to see Bellator make an announcement of their comeback, but they were supposed to come back in July. It doesn't look like that's going to happen. I'm thinking maybe September, October at this point. Kevin Scott, they're going to be rankings. Everything beyond top five is useless. Strength top five should have matchmaking a uh, little easier. I agree with that too. I was surprised when they first came with them, they did top 15 instead of top 10. I think top 10 made more sense. I don't know why they did top 15, but I'm with you, man. The rankings, it's just bad now because you have got ducking each other. Um, I, I can't, someone was saying they should have bossed the rankings the other day. Uh, I can't remember who it was, but there's other, like there's uh, UFC fighters now saying, you know, these rankings are dumb and we don't need them. And I agree. I've never been a fan of them. Um, I also think that if you're a media member, I personally believe that you should not be doing the rankings because you can affect a guy's life you can affect their career you can affect their earnings and that's something that i personally feel like is an ethical question i wouldn't want to do it pavlo belters back in the july are they i don't know like they say they are but let's take a look bellator events that's what scott cooker was saying but have they actually announced let's see your bellator well no man 
I'm looking at their schedule. They don't have anything scheduled to October card with uh, Queeley and uh, Frederick. That's it. So they don't have a fight schedule right now. They said they're going back in, uh, in July, but I don't know. And there's a lot of fights they need to start putting on. I think if you're Bellator, you're going to have to do at least one fight a week, if not two, maybe do Friday and Saturday at the same uh, venue, which I've done many times, obviously. I'll be honest, like I, I do like Bellator, but I feel like they've lost a lot of momentum. Pavel, I saw a Bellator fighter said he's going to fight July 7th. Do you mind just like finding out who that fighter was and maybe sending me the, the link to the tweet or something? I'd like to see that. Although I, I actually have heard that, obviously, that they wanted to come back in July. I just haven't heard anything since then. Kiro, what's going on, man? The UFC is like Trump. They don't believe in the fake virus. Chinese is the vaccine. Conspiracy. I don't know what he's talking about there. But he says, as Bellator rising and one should be shaming themselves, bringing a fight support, they are cowards. One just announced they're coming back. I think it's in August. So they're coming back. Rising, I'm not sure what's going on there. Um, Bellator, yeah, I don't know what's going on with them. You know, they're they're just trying to be safe, I guess, man. Pablo says Miles Jury said that. Okay, well that's good to know. But again, they haven't made an official announcement, so hopefully it does come back. Uh, hopefully they do come back soon. I know Miles Jury has that, uh, you know, YouTube account where he talks about a lot of stuff. Anyways, throw some more comments in there, guys. I'll keep getting them. I got a couple more pieces of news here. Uh, Little Dog's going to retire after the Shogun fight in uh, Fight Island in July, so that'll be the end of his career. And Little Nog, you know, I don't think he's going to be a Hall of Famer. His brother, Big Nog, I think is a Hall of Famer. Little Nog, I don't think so, but still a great career. 23-9 record. I was looking at his resume last night when I was doing the article. He actually has some amazing wins. He has two wins over Alistair Overeem. He has a win over Dan Henderson. He has a win over Kajusi Sakuraba. He has a win over Rashad Evans. He has a win over Tito Ortiz. So that's like five Hall of Famers. That's incredible. So he's got some great wins in his career. I just feel like he was never a champ. He had some great wins again, but never a champion and never really lived up to uh, what his brother accomplished in the heavyweight division. So I think, you know, you talk about the Hall of Very Good. I think Little Nog's there, but at this point, age 44, he just turned 44. He's one of the oldest guys in the UFC. Anderson is the oldest right now at 45. Little Nog's second oldest, but this will be the last fight of his career. I was at his last fight in uh, Brazil last May when he fought Ryan Spann. He got knocked out in two minutes and seven seconds, and I thought that was going to be it for him. He wants to fight again. The Shogun fight, it's a longtime rival. It should be a good fight. I mean, we've seen the fight twice already. Shogun did win both fights, but they were both pretty exciting fights. The last one, one fight of the night at uh, in the UFC in 2015, and the other fight in 2005 in Pride. Shogun won both by decision. Third fight should be interesting, although, uh, again, at age 44, you have to wonder how much Little Nog actually have left in the tank at this point. Pavel says, John Fitch says, Ballard back and fly. I'm glad to hear that. If that's the case, I'm glad to hear that. Kevin Scott, DAZN doesn't have any programming and tried to ask me to sign for another year. They have soccer, I think, right now, right? That's, I think that's it. I saw uh, there's a bar by my house and they had the thing like DAZN's back or something. I was like, oh, DAZN, I completely forgot with that. I actually stopped subscribing to them, I think, like last year. Uh, when I worked for Sherdog, they actually helped uh, pay for the, for our subscriptions. But once I left, I was like, I don't want to buy this anymore because, you know, Bellator is cool, but there's like what, one show a month. I mean, it's not really worth the money. I don't watch soccer or anything. It's your Ryzen 1 TV deal from Bangor one FC hedging on $363 million investor debts while Mr. Chachi runs around giving speeches on Grace Marty is. <laughs> There's a lot of controversy involving one championship in Chachi, that's for sure. I don't know if I trust everything he says. All right, uh, a couple other things here. Chad Skelly had this fight. There was a no contest uh, now against Bobby Moffitt. So basically, it was a super controversial fight. Bobby Moffitt got a, I think it was a Bravo choke, but Chaskoli never tapped out and never verbally submitted. And I, almost two years later, the fight was actually overturned. So good for Chas. 
he basically said that, you know, he's never been submitted before. And he didn't want that in his resume. So good for him, man. I'm glad to hear that uh, for Chas Kelly. He's, by the way, is coming off a win in his last fight over Jordan Griffin. I'd like to see him fight again. Chas is a pretty good guy. And the other thing I had here was uh, UFC Dublin. It's been officially postponed. Again, we already knew about this, but it's been officially postponed. That was supposed to take place in August, August 15th with a main event between Robert Whitaker and Darren Till. Thankfully, that fight has been salvaged, and that fight is going to take place on Fight Island on July 25th. And August 15th now, instead of being in Dublin, will be at the UFC Apex, headlined by the trilogy fight between Daniel Cormier and Stipe Miocic. Even though Stipe doesn't want to fight in the small cage, he wants the big cage, but that's not going to change because the UFC cannot build another cage in the Apex. Kevin, we're going to mention what James Esquire was. Let me get that right now. So... Yeah, so James got let go from the score. I mention this because James, you know, he's a friend of mine. I've known James for a long time, man. I mean, he was one of the first guys I really met in this business. Um, we've been friends for, you know, eight or nine years now, I think. So I respect James. He does a great job, obviously. Um, when he told me uh, a couple of days ago, I was surprised. He obviously broke the news yesterday publicly. I was surprised. But at the same time, um, you know, this is a really tough business. I've been around this business for a long time. I actually worked at the score myself back in 2011 to 2012. It was the first job I had in this business. And... Uh, after a year working there, uh, they got bought out by Sportsnet and I got let go. I was one of the people that got let go. So I remember I was just out of school, my first job in the business. And dude, I loved it. I worked with Aaron Bronsteader. Aaron was the guy who hired me originally. So, you know, Aaron's been a friend of mine for that long as well. I uh, worked with Moro there and a couple other people, but it was crazy. The amount of talent we had there was pretty nuts, actually. Um, when you think about it, I was there, Aaron was there, Moro was there, uh, Robin Black was there. Robin's a great guy, too. Robin actually was going at it with uh, Luke Thomas this week. I don't know if you guys saw that. That was pretty funny. But Robin's a great guy, though, seriously, one of the best guys. Um, and James was also there as well. So they've had some incredible talent going through the, the score over the years. Alex Lee as well, and they have Nick now. Um, as far as him, you know, getting like, oh, I was surprised. Uh, I know that they had promised him like going to more events and stuff like that, that those promises were not really met uh, recently. He, he was going to a lot of events when he first started there. But um, yeah, I mean, I, I'm going to try getting James on uh, soon. I tried to get him on today, but he wasn't able to come on. He's kind of busy right now. But what he told me, you know, he's put it out there. He's a free agent. And he said that it's going well so far. So I'm, I'm glad to hear that. I mean, James is obviously really good at what he does. But this is a really tough business, guys. Seriously, I, I don't think people realize how hard this business is. You know, as much as it's tough for the fighters, and I'm always one of those people saying, you know, these fighters are, uh, do we pay more money? I think a lot of us writers are, do we pay more money? Like I've been doing, I've been grinding for many, many years, you know, and somehow, guys, I've been managing to get a paycheck for like nine, 10 years now, almost in this business. So I, I've been one of the lucky ones, but there's a lot of people, you know, lately they've been kind of getting let go. Thankfully, I, my employment hasn't been. Uh, I've been let go. Obviously, with the pandemic, you know, it's not as lucrative as it was, you know, maybe last year or something like that. But I'm I'm just thankful I have employment. You know, maosring.com, Nick, and bjpen.com, maries on that. Like these websites have, you know, treated me well over the years. So I'm happy to be with them. Um, but it is a tough, tough business, tough industry. Hopefully, uh, James Lanson's feet. He will. He will, you know. But it's crazy how much free agent talent's out there right now. You got James. You got Chuck Mendenhall, who I think is the best, probably, uh, like, long-form writer in the game. You got, uh, who else? Josh Gross is out there. There's a lot of really good, talented people out there right now. And quite frankly, it's kind of a rough time with the pandemic. But uh, I definitely think James will land on his feet. Ken Shiro, Square Maze, like Canadian Fire, got cut there in May Division 2. They got zero money laying around, built every apartments. It's either a really big hit early, it's gone. Yeah, I mean, you're not wrong about that either, man. Seriously, like, I, I think the score probably is, you know, experiencing um, revenue loss right now, which obviously makes sense considering the pandemic issues. Um, 
But yeah, I mean, hopefully they can figure it out. But I know that Nick's staying around, Nick Baldwin, so he's still there. But if that's the only guy at their MMA uh, section, I mean, that's that's not too great, right? Like you, you had James, who's really good at what he does. But you know, I'll, I'll let James talk about himself. Um, again, I'll try to get him on, talk about it. But he's he's obviously dealing with uh, you know finding a new employer, and he will get it. I mean, he's good at what he does, and you know what. He's, I talked to him. He's not even worried at all. You know, he really isn't. I think that, you know, there were some uh, other issues there going on that, you know, this is almost like a blessing in disguise kind of thing. So he'll, it'll work out for him. But it's just, I'm just talking about the business. It's tough, guys. It really is. Like, not that many MMA journalists make a really good living, you know. Um, I make an okay living. You know, it's not great, but it's okay. And I'm, I'm okay with it for now. But uh, I enjoy what I do. And for me, the enjoyment part of it, that's the most important part. Because I'm sure I could do something else that I made more money in that I didn't enjoy doing as much, but I really enjoy what I do. You know, it gives me a lot of freedom. I get to watch the best sport in the world. Talk about it with you guys. It's pretty great, man. And sure, Jessica Andrade, plus 165, Rose for the match. Getting early, guys. Add Jessica, minus 125. You can't lose money, never have this for me. But yeah, you know what? I I don't know. We'll see what happens. I got to think about them one more. But yeah, I think Andrade is a dog. I mean, you got to take a shot at her. I picked her last year. She won by knockout slam, but the fight was definitely competitive up in that point. Anyways, any last second questions, throw them in there right now before I get out of here. But, uh, you know, I think I got everything covered. going to double check to see if I missed any news or not. I think I got everything. I think the weigh-ins are on right now, by the way. Um, let's see. Yeah, one championship. I said August. It's actually July 31st. They're coming back to Bangkok. Mike Perry explained. John Jones actually was the one who introduced him to his uh, new girlfriend, who's going to be his corner. That's going to be interesting. I did pick Perry in the podcast. I don't know, guys. I'm kind of like... I wouldn't. I wouldn't bet on Mike Perry minus three hundred. By the way, that's crazy to me because he could easily get tapped out here. I think Mickey Gall, especially with an actual corner, could definitely take him down and submit him. So we'll see what happens there. Um, what else? I think that's about it. That's all I want to talk about. I'm just going to wait and see anything else. Daniel Edwards, hey, what's going on, man? Agree they're not UFC caliber. I like the opportunity of giving pandemic for these independents to make money. That I agree with. It's better that they make twelve thousand in the UFC than to make nothing fighting anywhere else. But again, it's a big leagues, man. Like. It should be the best fighters in the world. Kenshiro, Luis Pena versus Karma Worthy wins. I got a hard time picking this one. It's tough. It's a tough one to call. I'm picking Luis Pena because I think the wrestling is going to be the difference. But, you know, if you look at Worthy's resume, most of his losses come by knockout. Luis Pena is not really a knockout artist. So, you know, Karma Worthy's got some good striking, man. He had that huge upset over Devontae Smith last year. I wouldn't be surprised if he wins. I personally wouldn't want to bet on this fight. Kenshiro says, I want to pick Karma where he's on a sixer fight, uh, fight winning streaks, uh, knocking out everyone. Yeah, he is. He actually is. He's underrated, that's for sure. Pavlox painted. I do favor painting a little bit because of the wrestling and also the UFC experience. Kevin Scott was next for Poirier or Hooker with the win. What's at stake tomorrow? What's at stake, I think, is a top you know, three ranking. If you look at the rank, and again, I hate bringing them up, but I mean, there's something that you know the UFC does use. Um, right now, you got Habib, obviously, his champ. Gaethje is the interim, so he's number one. You got Ferguson, Poirier. Connor McGregor, Hooker. Connor shouldn't even be the ranking, so he should be bumped out. I think the winner of Poirier Hooker probably probably fights Tony Ferguson. That probably makes a lot of sense, right? Ferguson's the next guy up. I would love to see Dustin Poirier versus Tony Ferguson. Holy smokes. Or even Dan Hooker versus uh, Tony Ferguson. My God, those would be good fights. Galibai Sub is plus 475. I think there's a chance. I think there's a chance. I'm going to pick Perry again. I think he probably does get the win here just because I... Don't know vaccine. He's a guy who's uh, very, uh, you know, uh, he's like me, man. He's a grinder, you know. So he's always working, and he'll he'll find something soon. Pavel makes sense. Twenty five, everyone away, but not Dustin. Dude, wouldn't that be a sick fight, Dustin Poirier versus Tony Ferguson? I would love to see that fight. So yeah, I think you know, answering Kevin's question, 
the winner probably gets Tony, if I had to guess. Tony's got to fight someone. Tony's got to come back soon. Um, you know, if Tony wins that fight, he's right back in the title picture. You got to feel bad for Tony too, man. You know, grinding for, you know, almost 10 years with, with no loss, seven years, I should say, with no losses, and then to lose to Justin like that and lose his title shot against Habib, it sucks, you know, especially because he was supposed to get that fight with Habib. So, you know, I feel like the UFC, um, you know, they still respect Tony a lot. And I think if he gets another win, and that fight with Justin, by the way, was so amazing. Such a great fight. And sure, I, I'm sure Mike Perry's girlfriend trained better than Jackson Wink Jim. Mike Perry lost the fights. A lot of fights being with Jackson Wink. He didn't look good there. A lot of fighters haven't looked good there lately. I remember when Jackson Wink was like the best gym in the world. Remember? It's crazy, right? I remember um, back in 2011, I think it was, UFC 140, Machida Jones. Uh, I remember I was uh, walking around. I think it was at the score, actually. We had Greg Jackson was there. And uh, Greg Jackson, I was like, wow, it's Greg Jackson. And then all these years later, and you don't even hear his name anymore. It's crazy, right? He was such a big celebrity at the time, coaching John Jones, coaching GSP. Kevin Scott, Tony Dustin, man, me too. All right, guys, I think that's going to be it for today's show. Really appreciate you guys tuning in, as always, to the podcast. Uh, you guys can follow me on Twitter, at Martin. I'm going to be there anytime you want. So throw me a message there and talk about MMA with me. Uh, podcast will be back Monday. So, uh, sorry, Tuesday I'll be back. Um, I think next week there's no card though. So maybe I will do it Monday. We'll see what happens. I'll be back next week. I'll, I'll let you guys know on my Twitter. Um, go back and listen to Tuesday's episode though. Broke down the full fights with Cole. Definitely check that out. I'm also available at bjpen.com and mmarings.net. So yes, next week there's no card next Saturday because it's July 4th. So that's a big holiday, obviously for you guys down there in the States, but I will do two podcasts next week, regardless, talking about the news and stuff like that. So really appreciate you guys tuning in. Thanks a lot, guys. Love the questions. Keep them at them. Have a good one, guys. Have a great weekend, and I'll talk to you soon. Enjoy the fights tomorrow. Bye.